With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Warning. You have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat.
Wasamadakunda, meaning peace family. Uh, this is Brother Grand Sheik Fahim Ritanel filling in for uh, Dr. Alim El Bay for the night. I'll be your host for the night. And the topic will be about Moors, slavery, and nationality and birthright issues. Okay, first of all, I want to touch on some things. Uh, dealing with uh, Dr. Arlene's book, The First World Order. Uh, he's uh, he's having the book on sale now for $65. You can get on the website, uh, com, or you can call him at uh, 910-364-9099. Nine one zero three six four nine zero nine nine, and you can also call me as well, three one four six four 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 two five for more information on that. Okay, and again, I say he has his first world order book now for sixty five dollars, and also uh, please don't forget about the eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth. The grand session for the uh, uh, the Golden Ray Order of the Melchizedek. That's 18th, 19th to the 20th of March next month. Those of you you can come, please come out. He has a lot of information to be dropping on you. A lot of Red K Ricky techniques uh, dealing with uh, meditations, herbs, books, DVD, CDs, things I know you probably would like. All right, check it out. That is the 18th, 19th, and the 20th of March. That's next month. All right. Get on here dealing with the uh, current event that happened here in the St. Louis, Missouri Republic. Uh, They said that the the Department of Justice is going to file a civil rights suit 
against the Ferguson, the city, the city of Ferguson, in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri Republic. So they didn't like the way the people in Ferguson was dealing with the different policies that the so-called police or what we would call policyholders uh, dealing with their uh, a lot of changes that they were trying to make. So uh, I guess that wasn't good enough for the Department of Justice. So there's uh, filing a civil rights suit against them as of today. So all right. So now I'm gonna get on to the topic what I'm talking what I'm going to really talk about tonight. It's dealing with Moors, slavery, and nationality and birthright. First of all, I'm gonna start off with statement here. It says here slavery time. The Moors were put in total slavery. They were forced to march from the north to the south on foot while the new slave masters rode on horseback with whips and the guns. I'm going to read this again. The Moors were put in total slavery. They were forced to march from the north to the south on foot, while the new slave masters rode on horseback with the whips and the guns. The new slave masters, huh? Hmm, I'll explain that later on. And I'm in my lecture. All right. The sisters with babies were forced to carry them in sacks on their backs. If they were too much in weight, the sisters were made to leave their helpless babies on the country roadsides. Mothers to be were also made to walk, losing their unborn in some cases. The migration of slaves that moved south was so great, and the north was deaf but only a half full of moors. The moors were sold on the slave blocks in the southern cities. They were also sold on slave blocks in the northern cities and shipped south. Second generation in slavery, both physically and mentally. I'm going to go back to this. We said the moors were sold in the slave blocks also in the north and shipped south. So it tells you that uh, they had slavery in the north as well as in the south. The south was the only one that was that had the slavery institution, but it was an institution that was already set up by the Moors, our ancient ancestors, our ancient foremothers and forefathers already set that up. But they had turned the tables on us and reversed it. Now they enslaved us. Like I say, I will talk about them later during this the, the topic, during this lecture. All right? Okay, it says here, the second generation in slavery, both physically and mentally. The slaves of 1779, the first generation, were only slaves physically, bound in chains only. Mentally, as far as their minds went, they were free. The Moors knew who they were and where they came from. The oncoming generation was different. At birth, they were taken away from families and raised by the slave masters in their homes. This act was one of the greatest physiologies pulled off by the European settlers. The slave masters taught the second generation what they wanted to 
or what they wanted them to know. The words Negro, Black, and color became a part of the young slaves' hearts and minds, especially the word black. Okay, The slaves were taught that their slave masters were white, white. Definition white meaning purity, purity meaning God, and God meaning the rulers of the land. These teachings became a part of the lives of the second enslaved Moorish generation. The ideologies of the European teachings and the Moors up until the 20th century would still go strong to this very day. I'm going to repeat that again. The ideologies of the European teachings grew in the Moors up until the 20th century, and it still goes on in this 21st century today as I speak speak to you this this night. All right, sisters and brothers? Okay. During the early part of slavery, the masters from time to time had rebellion among their slaves. To keep them in line, the Europeans set examples out of some of the slaves while others were forced to look on with horror. The rebellious slaves were put on against the wall. Long nails were driven through their ears, and slaves were pulled from the wall, and their ears still hanging there. Some were hung from trees. This is what they done to make examples of a lot of our sisters and brothers who tried to escape. Some were filleted, cut in half. Some were pulled from horses, from their arms and limbs or arms and legs. Some were even castrated. All kind of horrific things were done to us during the slave period. Okay? Says here, Moors suffered final defeat. The last of the Moors armies was located in the Midwest, in the Midwest. The armies were led by Sheik Tecomta Bay. Sheik Tecomta, which is a Moorish Aboriginal indigenous name. The European armies met Bay and his forces in the Midwest in one of the most bloodiest and longest battles ever fought in America. It became known as the Battle of 1812. The Battle of 1812 was one of the last years uh, between the Moors, or you can say the Barbary Wars, between the Moors and the United States colonies. That was the second Barbary War. The first one was 18, 1801 to 1805. This one was from 1811 to 1815. Okay. See, Tecumseh Bay and his Moorish armies went down while the Moors fled in that great battle. The Europeans named the area. The battle took place, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's where Battle Creek got its name from. That's what got from the Moors and the European battle between each other at Battle Creek, Michigan. The Moors' flag was never to come up again until 1925, 
113 years later, when Prophet Noble Drew Ali was to come upon the scene. The Moors in their final days, before the complete defeat, took all their riches, their gold, silver, etc., put them in the mountains, and a Moorish sheik or sheikess sunk the mountains beneath the earth, never to rise again while the Europeans were rulers of the so-called New World. So-called New World is correct. Because we already had government structure here. This part of the world was not new. We had government structure. This is where the European got their constitution from. We had structured government. We had constitution. This is the constitution that we had that, that we have today. It is not the so-called white man's constitution. It's not a constitution that comes from England. England does not have a constitution. They talk of having one, but they do not have a written constitution. It does not exist. That came from us from the Iroquois Confederation of Moors. For them to set up government and for us to set up treaty to stop the wars between the Moors and Europeans. 36 Moors, three Moors, and 16 European sons. It's called known as the, Peace of, uh, the Treaty of Peace and Friendship, which still exists today and the longest treaty in the world. The longest treaty in the world. No other treaty as long, as, as, uh, has lasted as long as this one here, what I'm talking about, the Treaty of Peace and Friendship. And it, and, and it stands today. As time went on, there have been some gold and silver discoveries in the north and southwest, but all the Moors' riches had never been discovered up to the so-called modern times. Says there are methods used to set slaves against one another. And that method has been used successfully to this very day also. You can see, you hear on the news every day, day in every city and municipality of, all across the Union States of Asiatics killing one another, murdering each other by the thousands, will make the so-called police officers' killings of Asiatics look like child's play, make them look like Boy Scouts. If I'm lying, I challenge you to put me to uh, or to put me to a debate, but you know you will lose that debate because you know it's true. Okay, let me go on here. The slave masters and their dealings with the slaves created dislikes among the Moors, now so-called Negroes, and etc. They set the darker complexion Moors against the fairer ones. The darker ones were made to work in the fields, while the fairer ones did the house duties. In some cases, the house slaves were used to spy on the ones working in the fields. They were called Uncle Toms. Says here, forced into Christianity. The Moors during the time of slavery were forced into Christianity with the whip and the gun. 
The first church the Moors were forced to attend was the First African Baptist Church of Richmond, Virginia. Today, the church is located in the same area as it was 300 years ago. Location, 14th and Broad, and Broad Streets, the heart of downtown Richmond, Virginia, a Moorish historic landmark. If, any, if, any, uh, if anyone of you that live in Virginia or decide to visit Virginia one of these days, I'm going to repeat this location for you. This location is 14th and Broad Street. 14th and Broad Street, the heart of downtown Richmond, Virginia. It is a Moorish historic landmark. For those who are planning on visiting Virginia, I suggest you visit that site for historical purposes. Okay, let me move along here. As time went on, the elder of the Moors passed on, leaving in second generations. One was under the slave master's influence. The slave masters no longer needed to stand over the Moors and preach. The job, the job was turned over to the second and third generation of Moors who now knew only the slave marks of Negro, black, color, etc. Now, now it's people of color and African American. <clears throat> Same difference. Okay. Two famous men of the 19th century. Before the 19th century came to a close, two great history makers of that time came in the making. John Brown, who long before the start of the Civil War formed a small group of European followers. Europeans in that form were called abolitionists. Their mission to emancipate, to set, meaning to set free, the enslaved Moors from the south, from the southern slave masters, bringing them north across the Mason-Dixon line to freedom. Abraham Lincoln was the second to go down in history, becoming the 16th president of the United States of America. Says Sir Lincoln was responsible for the physical freeing of the Moors in 1865 in the year of domination after the five years of civil war between the North and South. Okay, it says here, Abraham Lincoln was friend, but he, now the thing about that is, Abraham Lincoln, okay, he was said to have some Moorish blood in, in, in him, said that his mother was a European, his father was Asiatic. Okay. Uh, now, the thing about the Civil War is that it was a noble thing that he did, but he did not have the right to free the slaves because he did, he, he did not have what you call uh, the proper jurisdiction to do that. But most people have to, have to understand, and I have stated this in previous lectures I gave on the blog, uh, blog talk show uh, in the past that uh, Abraham Lincoln was not the commander-in-chief because civil war was never declared. And this, most people still don't know that the civil war was never declared. It wasn't an undeclared war. In order for him to be commander-in-chief, he has to go to Congress for that. They have to grant that to him. They have to give 
the title of commander-in-chief to him. It has to come from Congress. It has to be okay from Congress. It has to be okay from Congress for his declaration of war, which never did happen. And after the war was over, then he would render the title of commander-in-chief back to Congress. That's the way that's supposed to work. But it didn't. I mean, he had the power to free the slaves, physically free the slaves, but he did not have the right. This is what I'm explaining to you, okay? All right, let me move along here. It says here, John Brown, the man responsible for the emancipating of the Moors from southern slaveholders. Brown's actions at that time was considered a crime to both the North and South, since a civil war was not in the making at the time. Brown's raid in 1859 conspicuous figured on the bloody struggle from Kansas. At that time, Brown was determined to emancipate the Moors, as many as he could, to freedom. With, the, <clears throat> with few followers, Brown seized the federal arsenal at Harpers Ferry, Virginia, planning to use it as a base for his operations. Brown was captured, found guilty of treason and murder, and hanged. Okay, now let's go back to Abraham Lincoln. 1860 saw the election of Abraham Lincoln from the state of Illinois, a Republican. After his successful election to the White House, civil war broke out between the states. The northern states became known as the Union States of America, the South the Confederate States of America. The president of the Confederate States, Jefferson Davis, who was said to have, have had children from a Moorish sister, at the time known as Negro or Colored Woman, or Negress, as, as sometimes as they refer to, or the term they use, okay? His Negress. Okay, the war was finally won by the North with the help of free slaves in the year 1865 with the coming later of the Reconstruction period, the uniting of the North and South once again as one nation. President Lincoln only half finished his job. The Moors were never given back their nationality and birthrights, which would have made them once more a nation of people again. They were turned loose only physically. They were given the last name of their former slave masters. Example, Williams, Thomas, Watson, Anderson, Jones, Smith, etc., which did not connect them with any nation of people. Lincoln wanted to do more for the ex-slaves. As a person knowing the truth, he wanted the names, nationality, and birthright rights returned to the Moors. This act was never accomplished. Okay? And what they mean by, you know, they kept the names of, of their slave masters. Those of you that are nationalized know what I'm talking about. Those of you who are not nationalized or you know that not nationalized know what I'm talking about, but you don't know what the depth of it is. You know, the depth of having a another family's name. 
you know, you already know that it's the slave master's name. You can ask a child, an Asiatic child, I say maybe from the third, fourth, or fifth grade, why is his name or her name has any has names other than what uh, I could say like an African name? You know, why do they have why do they have English names or European names? And they can explain to you why. Because their great great or great grandfather or mother were slaves, and they know they are carrying slave the slave master's name. They know already that they're carrying other families' names. But 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 what they're not realizing is this to this day is that they are also transacting business in those names, buying and selling in those names. Which, why a thing they buy or sell, but never really belong to them. It would always belong to the descendants of those slave master, uh, slave families, or to the corporate war state. So let me go on here. Sir Lincoln's Lincoln takes second four-year term, oath of office, but never lived to complete it. Well, we all know why that. Okay. President Abraham Lincoln, born February 12, 1809 to 1865, took his second four-year oath of office January in January 1865, but did not live long to complete that second four-year term. For Friday evening, April 14th, six days after the surrender of the Confederate Army at Appomattox, the president Appomattox that is Appomattox, Virginia, the president was assassinated at the Ford Opera Theater, Washington D.C., while attending an opera program with his wife. Saturday, April 15th, the next day, Abraham Lincoln passed at 7.21 a.m. in the morning. While the assassination of President Lincoln, the Negro, pro- the Negro problems still remain unsolved. The answer to the great problem was not touched or solved until Prophet Ali, founder of the Uniting of Islam in America, came on the scene 48 years later. That's not a whole lot of time, if you really look at it, okay? Now, here we have the KKK. The ending of the Civil War did not bring a total end to the defeated Southern Europeans, thinking toward the Moors, who were well known then as Negroes and etc. Now, I'm going to stop right here. After the surrender of Appomattox in Virginia in April in 1865, one generally surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant forces. He surrendered everything over to the Union States of America. I also had uh, mentioned this in previous lectures I gave on the blog talk shows in the past. Uh, those of you probably remember, those who do not remember, or wasn't listening to, well, no, wasn't listening to the show at that time, I'm going to repeat this to you so you'll know 
the one generally surrendered all the Confederate forces to the United States of America to Ulysses S. Grant. He surrendered all of their so-called sovereignty as well because uh, they never was really sovereigns because they was not aboriginal or indigenous to this land. But what they were called were title sovereigns. So, But actually, he submitted all of that over, including the slaves, property, everything. Not only the slaves, but the slaves which were transferred or what you can say, emanumitted. That's what emanumitted means. Means transfer from ownership to another. That's what happened to the Asiatic slaves that were slaves in the South. Emanumitted to the owner of the U.S. government or the Union States of America. That's why today when you um, say our straw man name, we also use the term government name. What is your government name? My government name is Robert Riley Herring. That's my government name. My free national name is Fahim Rittering L. Rittering L meaning God presently moving upon the earth. Sister Kadira, Queen Sister Kadira did a numerology on it. And that's how it came out. Rittering L. God presently moving upon the earth. Fahim meaning the intelligent one. So I have a free national name. I know what my free national name means. Okay? That's the importance of being getting national getting nationalized and getting your birthright in check. Okay? Now I'm going to move along here. Okay. <clears throat> it says here, the ending of the Civil War did not bring total end to the defeated Southern Europeans thinking toward the Moors who were well-known as Negroes, and etc. <clears throat> the diehards knotted together and organized a terrorist group dressed in white robes and a hooded mask. They called themselves the Ku Klux Klan. It was Ku Klux, or it can mean a, uh, a circle, or a band of circle. Klux actually means, Klan means group. Okay, a European so-called white supremacist cult whose main purpose to terrorize, tar, feather, burn, and hang the Moors through the south and land through the south land, but without being recognized. But now I'm start right here again. Now, the Ku Klux Klan primary mission, well, what was supposed to supposed to be formed by. Uh, ex-Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest. Uh, they touched on that a little bit in the movie The Forrest Gump with Tom Hanks. If if, uh, if if you all that had saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. They touched a little about that. Because he's supposed to be uh, the descendant of this Confederate general, but, you know, a fictional character, of this uh, descendant of the Confederate general. But it was formed by Nathan Bedford Forrest, like I say, the ex-Confederate general. And their mission, primary mission, was actually to fight against carpetbaggers. 
like I said, they lost their uh, uh, the so-called white southerners has lost their citizenship. They lost it, and they were out in a nationhood, which they were almost well about just about bad off as a lot of our, our Asiatic slaves were, which most of them were slaves anyway. Before and during the Civil War, I'm talking about the Europeans. But I'm going to get to that later on in the lecture, okay? <clears throat> Says here. Yeah, but he was, it was about the fight against the carpetbaggers and to uh, get the carpetbaggers off of their backs. That was their main mission. When, the, when Nathan Bedford Forrest got tired of all that and feathering and lynching and all all this kind of all foolishness, he disbanded the Ku Klux Klan in 1869. And the Ku Klux Klan did not resurge until 1915, the same year as uh, uh, the, uh, the movie they uh, produced, The Birth of a Nation. I just want to put that out there for those who didn't know, okay? Okay, let me go on here. <clears throat> Before getting their victims, the Klan would burn big crosses in front of the Moors' home. This was their trademark, even up to the present 20th century. The KKK members were in one form a regular townsmen and country, European citizens. Some of their members even held jobs at, as the town sheriff, the judge, the mayor, etc., Later, the Klan cult were against Catholics and the so-called Jews living in America. Okay? You heard me mention the so-called Jews because they are not, they are not Jews. They are so-called Jews. They are Zionists. That means they are taking on the identity of another people, as the Europeans that did to us, calling themselves Americans, and they are not Americans. They are not Americans. They carry on the title of being called Americans. You don't believe me? Check the Northwestern Dictionary 1828 edition of the American Dictionary. It would explain that to you. Okay? Or you can check the International Dictionary, uh, uh, English Dictionary, American Dictionary, 1836 version. And it will tell you that it was uh, it was copper complexion or copper colored people. But now the Europeans took on the title of being called Americans. But they are not the American, as they are not the sovereign. Okay, let me move along here. <coughs> They, they, the Ku Klux Klan became the most feared cult group in America, even up to the 20th century. Okay? Now, here's what you call. They had, even, uh, uh, they had the vigilantes, or vigilante groups. Another organized cult in the South were known as the vigilantes. They were also made up of European citizens who took the law into their own hands. One, they thought that the sheriff and his deputies were not doing 
their jobs right. In most cases, the vigilantes took the law into their own hands, and most of the time, the victims, especially Moors, ended up hanging from the nearest tree. Now, I'm going here to another part. Here in the book here. Hold on just for a minute here. Another part of the slave history, or what they call black history, not more history, it's uh, slave history, uh, dealing with certain uh, European so-called scholars, like uh, people like uh, uh, Carlinius, and Friedrich von Wittenbach and Charles Darwin, especially Charles Darwin. Okay, I'm going to read here from the uh, Taj Tariq Bay, the U.S. nigger industry. It says here, the biological and organic origin of Negro, black. Number one, black Troglodyte nigger is the black chimpanzee monkey, being a highly intelligent anthropoid, ape of south, southwest Mexico, southwest Africa, South America. Chimpanzees are commonly found along the Amazon River and Rio Negro rivers. The chimpanzee is a southwest African Iberial anthropoid ape. Pan troglodyte, having very large ears, dark brown or black hair, having an albus or pinkish complexion of the skin, and is smaller, less erect, and less ferocious than the gorilla. Well, stop right here. Now, if you look at the uh, look at the apes. If you look at them, if you cut all the hair off of them, what complexion would you see? It won't be a dark complexion. I could tell you that. Who would, he, who would the chimpanzee ape monkey would look like? It would look like the Europeans. Am I right or am I wrong? Okay, so let me move along here. The, tri- the troglodyte nigger is a caveman or cave dweller, being the modern man descendant of the troglodyte. Negro Yavira Arabo, or black chimpanzee monkey, is highly intelligent anthropoid ape of southwest Mexico, South America. Negro Yavira Arabo is a caveman or cave dweller, 
the modern man descendant of the black chimpanzee monkey or troglodyte. Okay. The notative, cognitive, and social political applications of Negro black. A. Black, absence of all moral light of goodness, evil, wicked. B. Black, characterized by the absence of light to be involved or enveloped in darkness. Or enveloped, enveloped in darkness. C. Black, gloomy, dismal, a black outlook. D. Black, boating, ill, sullen, sinister, disastrous, beneficial, painful, forbidding, black words, black looks. E. Black, clouded with anger, threatening, and indicating disgrace, ingratitude. F. Black, civil litter, more tooth, to be dead in the eyes of the law. Mm. G. Black, caused or marked by ruin or desolation. H. Black, indicating censor, disgrace, or liability to punishment. A black mark. I. Black means to lose consciousness. J, black, to sully and to defame. K, black, to paint, to stain, to varnish, to die. The political warfare purpose of misuse and misapplications of the words Negro and black are apparent to those who are aware of and recognize the clever operative uses of social engineering, psychic attacks, sorcery, and birthright theft. The attending spirit of the misuse of the Negro and black words are undeniable, terse, and negative. The following are some of the political and social sorcery-oriented misapplications of the Negro and black words as imposed by European colonial sociologists and sub-U.S. government agencies. In the, divine, in the deviant manner, these Negro brands are used for social engineering, mental warfare, and were originally initiated politically and socially during the late 1700s to the early and mid-1800s within North American slave orientation society. These brands have now been affectionately accepted by those ignorant due to miseducation. These color definitions are derived from the American College Dictionary. They are relative to various examples of the connotations ascribed to these words. Other variations may be found within other <clears throat> commonly available mass-produced lexicons and dictionaries. Socialization connotations of the word black, Negro. <clears throat> There's three here. Number one, black, Negro, pertaining to any of the black races of Africa, Oceania, Australia, and parts of Asia. Number two, black, Negro, Papuans, Papu, uh, um, Papuans meaning Papu, uh, the part of uh, New Guinea called Papua New Guinea. Okay, Melanesians and Australian Aborigines. Three, black, Negro, and dark-skinned persons, a Negro man or woman, a variation of black moor, as is black and small case, and more in high or uppercase. The M is uppercase. So you know that black is an adjective and more is a noun. <clears throat> Further, 
Note, must be made concerned that black and Negro brands for the sake of truth and history. These brands were not capitalized and until, until political efforts were put forth by a select few designated black leaders such as Frederick Douglass during the 1800s, the, social, so, the, the, the logistic intent of capitalizing the Negro black brands was and is, is to fiend those social engineering codes as being legitimate, proper nouns. This is too falsely implied pedigree and identity. With, while these code words are actually being used in grammatical error, when and as they are being misapplied to natural people. And they are. I mentioned about the Aborigine Australians, but as we are Aborigine Americans. Aboriginal meaning the first original people, or the original man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, the God of the universe. Constitution of nigger brands and the displacement of nationality, the U.S. automation operations component. Nationality is that Social quality of being a part of a nation, a free nation. A free national name is the common indicator of those who are a part of a nation. Pedigree is a noun, which defines a line of ancestors and family bloodline lineage. Pedigree denotes descent and genealogical relationships. Nationality implies a genealogical relationship as well as a confirmed and verifiable political connection to a specifically identified nation conjoined with written or publicly known allegiance. Those, those among the family who may have only a vague understanding about the true nation orders of what has been artificially tagged as race relationships may be easily misled into supporting the modern man's deliberate infection of society by way of corrupt culture which has been deemed and labeled as a race hatred. Keep in mind the fact that there was is but one race on the earth on the planet Earth that that said race is the human race. And the human race is deduced and expanded into extended families which are universally known as nations and nationalities. There is nothing less a scientific explanation for how the unqualified so-called races were made or experimentally created. Central Central America was the ancient geographical location of the capital, or you could say the capital for the Moabite nation. Moabite is the ancient name for the Moor nation. A marked distinction between the Moabite nation and directly a descendant Moor nation is that the Moabite nation was a matriarchy and the descendant Moorish nation is a patriarchy. There is much there is much we can be addressed, but that part of the history is not the subject of this writing. We will uh with limitation address the Yakubian the Yakubian experiment as a subject and issue in a minimal format to remove the vague inferences without rate without concerning races or races. 
a more extensive scientific and historical dissertations on the contemporary development of the races as a human family condition is dealt with and expanded on a broader scale in the Moabite Moorish Chronicles relative to the ancient Moabite Yakubian experiments. We were talking about earlier when I was reading about the matriarchy and the patriarchy. Uh, most and still today, uh, a lot of our, even our, not only just our brothers, but our sisters as well, believe that the, we, our families have been structured, uh, a structured law and everything is structured by a patriarchal system. And that's not true. The history of our people, we will find on governmental structure was structured by a matriarchal system. It's all matriarchal, not patriarchal. Okay, but I'm not going to I'm, I'm like I'm not going to get into the subject right now, but I just want to put that out there. Okay. Now, we can get on talking about here Charles Darwin and Darwinism. Oh. Okay. Charles Darwin was born in the year 1809, Mortus in 1882, in the year of domination. Yeah, meaning he died, passed away in 1882, in the year of domination. Was an Englishman and a European by origin. He was a nationalist by trade, whose major social contribution to contemporary civilization was that of popularizing the theory of doctrine, which has been the pseudo science dispensed as the, as the basis for the European anthropologist. Speculative explanation explained the origin and evolution of the human species, modern man. European origins, okay? Darwin dealt with and promoted the widely accepted thought concerning animals and plants, with the principal theoretical points being that there is a tendency to variations in all organic beings, and that such variations produce the origin of the opinions that the descendants of man, beast, and plant may differ, may differ widely from their progenitors or parents. Thus came the origin of Darwin, Darwin's influence of the fields of biology, social philosophy, and other fields of knowledge. It must be noted that these fields of science predate European interest in science by thousands of years and did not originate with Charles Darwin or with any of his associates. I'm going to repeat this. It must be noted that these fields of science predate European interest in sciences by thousands of years and did not originate with Charles Darwin or with any of his associates. Okay? A major part of or feature of historical and archaeological interest as contained within the Darwin theory adapts the possible the position that the whole of the human species evolved from the troglodyte Negro. The scientific fact has long been established 
that the Negro is the troglodyte, or what is most commonly referred to as the black chimpanzee monkey. At this point, it must be explained to the reader that the Negro is not and does not scientifically, scientifically referred to any member of the human species. <clears throat> and they don't. Negro is scientifically referred to the troglodyte nigger, Anthropopithecus, which was long considered by modern man, European anthropologists, to be the only recognized primate monkey species. The troglodyte nigger primate is the closest of any of the anthropoids in their resemblance to man. The skeletal structure and by the nature of the Negro's heightened level of intelligence, thus the world has been influenced to believe in or to accept the Darwin theory, which implies that man evolves from the troglodyte nigger primate. This is the modern information, informational source of the misconception of the thinking, which purports that the human family is allegedly the descendants of the, of the anthropoid ape or chimpanzee. This is a big-ass lie. And as I said, told you earlier, you cut all the hair off all of them monkeys and apes, and you found, then you, uh, what, uh, what did the complexion of their skin look like? Who did they, they look like? I ain't got to give you that answer. You already know. You already know. Here is the missing link. An interesting offshoot of the Darwin theory is the long-lived interest of, about finding the so-called missing link, link. Some scientists are still searching European anthropologists, biologists, archaeologists, and some other contemporary social philosophers have supported Darwin's theory. They will seek to solve the mystery-shrouded biological and evolutionary link between the anthropoid, chimpanzee, troglodyte monkey, and the man, the human, the hominid, homo sapiens. Many European social scientists are allegedly looking for the primal monkey to man's skeletal remains amongst old gray sites of anthropological digs. This traditional accepted archaeological perspective and guesswork. Information mission serves to make it all reveal the elusive and yet to be found evolutionary link between man and the chimpanzee troglodyte beast. This hypothetical link is, is, is key to the propagated literature and beliefs which imply confirmation of the blindly accepted Darwin theory. Here you have the culture destroyers and the Roman Crusaders, Inquisitioners, and particularly their descendant colonists invaders of North America had not been so unsatiable in their passionate determined to burn, to alter, and to destroy, destroy ancient history books because they didn't want us to link us back to our culture, to our nation, nationhood, to who we really are. They don't, they don't want us to know that we are not African-Americans, black, colored, Negro, people of color. No such people in the human family exist. 
no such, there are no such people as black people, African Americans. Says there ancient artifacts, scientific scripts, and records. Much knowledge could have been and would have been revealed to them concerning their speculative pseudo primal scientific <coughs> matters. Yet the alien explorers from Europe callously conspired to steal legacies, to cover up and to burn up ancient scientific records, and to suppress, alter, and destroy ancient Moabite Moorish history. Ancient sciences and the true evidence of many archaeological finds were or are in evidence all over the Americas, but were calculatedly ignored or deliberately misrepresented. Advanced sciences originating with the ancient ones, Moabites, were purposely and inadvertently suppressed and covered up. European anthropologists and scientists, by omissions and deletions of records, thus deny and hide from the world their own already documented biological and hybrid experimental origins. How many of you, I'm going to ask you, uh, ask you who listen to the night, then listen to the show tonight, how, how many stone sculptures of the so-called Native American Indians have you seen? I mean, carved stone sculptures have you seen? I have yet to see one. But I saw many, many stone sculptured headstones of Asiatic people. Now you see on pictures on the website, they have pictures. Excuse me. They have pictures different pictures of what the Native American, so-called Native American look like, and they're usually uh, what you see in the movies as Indians. They're usually thin nose, uh, thin lips. But a stone sculpture? I've yet to see one of a, native, a so-called Native Indian American. All right. All right. The amalgam, the amalgam experiments. The scientific facts are, according to the more by Moorish chronicles, that the ancient man human did not evolve from the Negro, Yavira, Arabo, troglodyte, black chimpanzee, monkey. The man, man was never monkey, and monkey was never man. However, modern men are a really pale or mankind. Species was indeed genetic result of the ancient Moabite scientists, uh, amalgam experiments, or who we call Yakub, of the Yakub experiment, which crossed or blended the bloods of the troglodyte nigger and the human zygote or uterus transfers and bloods, etc. Enzymes from selected plant glands were also involved in the experiments used to subdue the pungent strength of the oils given off from the sweet glands of the, of the troglodytes. The Yakubian amalgam experiments are the origin of modern man, derived from the original man. 
which is us, or Asiatic people. Thus, modern man is the amalgamated part of the blended human family called Albion, or red man. This red or ruddy, ruddy man is contemporary called Romans, or Europeans. The less informed call them white men, or pale face. This is the less informed. Okay? This amalgamation factor is the primary reason as to why Europeans and their direct descendants are correctly referred to as modern man, Occidents, versus ancient man, Orientum. The mathematical and multi-nominal scientific technologies used for these ancient biological experiments were perfect to a quantum degree, whereas reproductions though weaker than the original man, was definitely possible in duplications. The other remaining problems unique to the albo hybrida was melanoma, leprosy. There need to be no mystery about the so-called missing link. The missing link is a deliberate deletion of some of the world history and the inquisitionists suppressing of the true knowledge about the human history, about evolution, and about the highly advanced ancient sciences. And this is true. So the Albion, Angloland, or England, or Angloland. Albion is the island, what we call England today, okay, for those who didn't know, okay. Albion is what they call England England today. At one time it was called Angloland, okay, but now it's England. Like the Anglican, Anglican Church. The Anglican Church Church means Church of England. Okay? All right. Albion is the island, like continent, where the ancient Moabites placed a predominance of the Ibo, of the Albo hybrid of males of the new ruddy modern man, expand, expanded android species. Another downside effect of the amalgam experiment aside from extensive education and socialization, was the sudden onset of disease known as gonorrhea, tuberculosis, and syphilis. So, such a social separation soon became a necessity. No immediate cure was found for these diseases. Research and work needed to be done. Thus, the decision was made to gather together the Albion man, kind and move the majority of them to Albion, the cooler climate weather conditions common to Albion's territorial weather was more compatible with the acute sensitivities evidence of the Albo hybrida, pinkish skin complexion. The Albo was highly prone to painful skin burnings, actuated by minimal exposure to the sun's rays. Equatorial Earth locations were apparently taking a high toll on the life expectancy of the modern man. Unfortunately, molecule mutations or skin cancers proved to be problematic on a large scale, 
and so Albion's semi-isolated geographical location bordered by the waters of the Atlantic and the North Sea was a more compatible geographical placement for the Albion or lepers, as they were sometimes called. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to get on. <clears throat> I'm moving on to another subject of slavery and moors. Dealing with no, no, I'm going I'm to move on to here to the Prophet Noble Jawali for a minute, okay? Then I'm going to get on to something else, another part of slavery. Okay. I'm going to take long here. So the birth of the prophet. It is said to be one of the very elderly living members of the 20th century. That when the prophet was born on the day of January 8, 1886, there was a tremendous earthquake. The prophet's spirit hitting the earth. The prophet Prophet Noble Juwali was born among the mem- members of the Cherokee tribes. <clears throat> Actually, they are Kitiwa. Commonly known as Cherokee tribes. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> In the state of North Carolina, it marked the first time the spirit of a prophet of Allah had been, had been on earth since 1400 A.D. 486 years, who at that time was Prophet Muhammad II. Prophet says here the prophet goes to Egypt. After reaching the age of manhood, the prophet went to Egypt. The Egyptian sages, who were wise men of the Middle East, knew of the coming of the Western prophets before he set foot on Egyptian soil. Hmm. When the prophet arrived, the sages took him to the Egyptian college, where Jesus of Nazareth attended among 2,000 years ago. The sages put the straps on his back. The prophet went through the halls of learning, as did Jesus before him. The sages took the prophets to the great Egyptian pyramids, located in the desert where the first prophet, Josiah, of about 75,000 years before, wrote on the walls the pyramids, revelation of the future. In the pyramids, the sages took the the prophet 2,000 feet down into the secret chambers, where he conquered the spirits of fire, water, earth, and air, the four elements of the universe, okay? Later, the prophet returned to America to start on his great mission. He was first called the Egyptian Adapt. Revealed the prophet's youthful period, it was said that the prophet's mother passed before the young baby grew into boyhood. It was also said that before passing, his mother had had a great feeling that his earth son would be a great leader someday. Before passing, the prophet's mother entrusted the child in the care of her sister, asking her to take care of my son, for one day he will have a great job to do. The sister was very jealous of the child. One day after his mother had passed, or on the day after his mother had passed, the aunt put the young baby in a burning furnace. Wow. Okay. 
leaving him to die. But Allah, the never-sleeping God, who had prepared the form in advance for the great work he was to do at manhood and save the child from the burning furnace. There were scars left on the one side of the prophet's face enhanced as evidence of what had happened or, or what had, well, what he had been through as a child. The prophet spent his younger life tra- traveling with gypsy groups. While with gypsies, the prophet was <clears throat> blamed for a theft in the camp. An old gypsy lady came to his defense, and he was later cleared of the charges. It says here, Allah speaks to his prophet. While walking along one day, the voice of Allah spoke to his future prophet. He said, if you go, I will follow. The prophet did not expect the job at first, or did not accept the job at first, but the voice kept after, after him. If you go, I will follow. The, the prophet did not accept the job at first, but the voice kept after him, kept after him. If you go, I will follow. Until finally the prophet accepted. The prophet left the gypsy camp never to return. He later went to Egypt. Okay, it's going to be pretty long. To uh, I'm going to start right here about the prophet. I'll continue this on to another lecture. But I'm going about to get on another topic about slavery. Deal with that. Uh, most still, most of us don't really know about slavery or the slavery institution. <clears throat> that the slavery institution was actually started by our ancestors. Believe it or not. I'm say it again. The slavery institution was initially started by our own ancestors. Of those of who you will remember, one Minister Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam. When he did a lecture, and he said about he was talking about a movie called Menace to Society. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Menace to Society was a movie dealing with drugs, gangs, gang violence, and things of that that nature. Okay, and uh, he was talking about the title of the movie, Menace to Society. Not menace, T-O-O, to society. Menace to, menace, menace number two, to society. Now, if some of our people were a menace, were a menace, were a menace number two to society, who was the minister number one? That was the question asked. By Minister Farrakhan. Was who was Minister Number One? I don't think we have to think too hard on that. Dealing that we had enslaved Europeans or so-called white people first. We had enslaved them first. We had put them in dungeons, chain chain them underground dungeons, sold their women, women start naked across the world. 
We had seized a lot of the European ships. Even after the Revolutionary War, we had seized their ships because the Europeans were paying ransom to us. They were paying tribute to the Moors at one time. A lot of these European ships were traveling from Europe. But hundreds of thousands of kidnapped European families. I'm not talking about just individuals. I'm talking about families of uh, by the hundreds of thousands were kidnapped from Ireland, England, Germany, France, Holland, Belgium, from other parts of Europe, and transferred across the Atlantic. Now, a lot of people want to get you uh, the understanding that they were uh, wasn't bothered. No one bothered them while they were going across and from the Atlantic. That's not true. They were still paying homage to the Moors, even after the revolution. They were still paying ransom to the Barbary, Corsairs. Anything one time when you're talking about Barbary, you're talking about Moors. In the history books, they tell you they were a bunch of pirates or a mafia or thugs across the high seas who they was battling against. No, they were not. They were Moors. They were seizing those ships. And as they seized those ships, they seized those hundreds of thousands of European families also and put them under their servitude, under their slavery, under their bond, and put them in bondage. But they always wanted to want you to believe that Europeans always had power over us. That's a big-ass lie. At one time, we had power over them. But you would never read this or hear about this in your history classes in your schools across the country. You would never hear about that. All that is suppressed. Now, I'm going to read something from a book called They Were White and They Were Slaves by a Michael A. Hoffman II, a European author. It says here, introduction. There were two sorts for search, so such as were brought over by masters of ships to be sold as servants, such as we call them, my dear, says she, but they are more, more, more called slaves, this is a history of so-called white people that has never been told in coherent form, largely because most modern historians have, for reasons of politics or psychology or psychological reasons, refused to recognize European slaves in early America as just that. Today, not a tear is shed for the suffering of millions of our own enslaved forefathers. 200 years of European slavery in America have been almost completely obliterated from the collective memory of the American people. <clears throat> Who wants to be reminded that half, perhaps as many as two-thirds of the original American colonists were here, not of their own free will, but kidnapped, shanghaied, impressed, duped, 
begilled, and yes, in chains. We tend to gloss over it. We prefer to forget the whole sorry chapter. A correct understanding of the or understanding of the authentic history of the enslavement of so-called whites in America could have profound consequences for the future of the races. We cannot be sure that the position of the earliest Africans differed markedly from that of the so-called white indentured servants. The debate has considerable significance for the interpretation of race relationships in the American history. Most of the books on so-called white labor in early America are titled with words like so-called white indentured servitude, so-called white bond servants, so-called white servants, etc. It is interesting that so-called white people who were bound to a condition of what became, in many cases, permanent chattel slavery until death are not referred to as slaves by establishment academics. With the massive concentration of the educational and media resources on the so-called Negro experience of slavery, the unspoken assumption has been that only so-called blacks have been enslaved to any degree or magnitude worthy of study or memorial. The historical records reveal that this is not the case. However, so-called white people have been sold as slaves for centuries. And this is the truth. Whether some of you Moors want to believe it or not, whether you want to be with that or not, it's not for you to believe. It's recorded history. You can take it or you can leave it alone. I may add, a lot of our ancestors took a part in the enslavement of these people. Let me move along here. White slavery in ancient medieval Europe. Among the ancient Greeks, despite their tradition of the democracy enslavement of fellow so-called whites, even fellow Greeks was the, was the order of the day. Aristotle considered so-called white slaves as things. The Romans also had no compunctions against enslaving so-called whites, who they too term a thing. Rest. In his agricultural writings, the first the first century BC Roman philosopher Varro labeled so-called white slaves as nothing more than tools that happen to have voices. Cato Elder discoursing on plantation management, so-called slaves, so-called white slaves, when old or ill, should be discarded along with worn-out farm implements. Hmm. Julius Caesar enslaved as many as one million so-called whites from Gaul. Gaul, which was uh, which was what France was called at that time, which we call France today. Okay, some who were sold to the slave dealers who followed his victorious legions. Slavery from Roman times in the earlier transatlantic trade. In the year of domination 319, the Christian emperor of Rome, Constantine, ruled the ethnic and the owner with his so-called white slave to death. He should not stand in any criminal ac- accusation. 
if the slave dies, and all statutes of limitation and legal interpretation are hereby set aside. The Romans enslaved thousands of the early so-called white inhabitants of Great Britain who were known as Angles, as I spoke of earlier. The ancient name from England, or Albion, from which they derived the term Anglo-Saxon as a description of the English race in the 6th century. Pope Gregory I witnessed blonde-haired, blue-eyed English boys awaiting sale in a slave market in Rome, acquiring of their origin. The Pope was told they were Angles. Gregory replied, non-Angli, said Angeli. That means, in, in Latin, not angels, but angles. Not angles, but angels. When the Franks conquered the Visigoths in southern Gaul, huge numbers of whites, or so-called whites, entered the slave markets. After Charlemagne's conquest of Saxony, during which many pagan Saxons were enslaved, set up a network of parish churches to provide for the maintenance of the priest and the church. Those living in the parish were to donate a, or donate a house and land as well as male and female. Saxon slaves to the church for every 120 people in the parish. This is this is the Roman Catholic Church. The same post that gave the blessings of the enslavement of the Moors at the defeat of the Moors. Says here, Moors and the traffic in white slaves, Arabs and the traffic of, of white slaves. The trade in so-called white slaves was one of the few sources of foreign exchange for Western European powers in a period when the East produced the goods that the Europeans could not procure elsewhere. The sale of the sale of so-called white slaves to Asia and Africa was one of the one of the few sources of gold for European treasuries. I'm going to repeat this again. I'm going to repeat it again, Morris. The sale of so-called white slaves, Asia and to Africa, meaning a lot of African tribal nations were buying these so-called, or say, European slaves. They were buying them by the hundreds and thousands. Okay. It says here, from the eighth to the seventh to the eleventh century, France was a major transfer point for for so-called white slaves to the Muslim world, mainly were Moors, with the ruin being the center for the selling of Irish and Flemish slaves. The same time that the, that France was a was a transfer point for slaves to the Muslim Moors world, Italy was occupying much the same position. Venetians were selling slaves and timber across the Mediterranean. The slaves were usually Slavs brought across the Alps. That's where the word slave come from, Slavs. But the Europeans were slaves. Because most of the slaves were commonly Europeans at that time. Enslaved not only by their people and so, so uh, 
couldn't buy their people to us because they had no qualms of selling their own people to us. It was just business to them. It had nothing to do with no so-called color. Okay? The slaves were usually Slavs brought across the Alps. Venetians were the earliest successful Italian sea traders because profits on slave trade with the Muslims or Moors were lucrative. The lucrative, they, they, gonna, they, they gonna, always say Muslims are Arabs, but they're not going to tell you that the majority of the vast majority of them were Moors. Okay? They resisted efforts to stop them in return for their exports of timber, iron, and so-called white slaves. They bought in Oriental luxury products, namely fine cloth. The stereotype from the established consistent history is of the Moorish slaver herding chain so-called blacks to the desert. In fact, for 700 years until the fall of the Moorish Spain, those being herded were first and foremost overwhelmingly so-called white. I'm going to read this again. <clears throat> I'm going to read this again. Listen. The stereotype, the stereotype from establishment consensus history is of the Moors slaver herding chain so-called blacks through the desert. While in fact, in fact, for 700 years, until the fall of Moorish Spain, those being herded were first and foremost overwhelmingly white, meaning Europeans. Tenth century, the Moors generally brought Christian Europeans as slaves. By the tenth century, Slavs became the most numerous imported group during the late Middle Ages until the fall of Grenada in the late 15th century. Most slaves of the Moors were Christians from the northern kingdoms, and the vast lands of the Eastern European steppes from the 8th to the 12th century. There was a well-developed slaving network, Slavs and Finns, called Sakaba, meaning slaves, and discriminately by Muslims. Entered the Muslim world by these Caspian and Black sea routes, sea routes. The fate of hundreds of thousands of so-called white slaves sold to the Arabs was described as one Spanish text as Oxtrisima, meaning most atrocious and harsh. The men worked to death as galley slaves. The women, girls, and boys were used as prostitutes. We did that. Our ancestors did that. I'm going to say it again. The men were worked to death as galley slaves. The women, girls, and boys were used as prostitutes. Called white males had their genitals mutilated in castration. Castration attempts bloody procedures of incredible brutality, which most of the so-called white men who were forced to submit did not survive, judging from the high prices so-called white eunuchs commanded throughout the middle, uh, so-called Middle Eastern slave markets. 
Escape from North Africa and the so-called Middle East was almost impossible, and those so-called white slaves who were caught trying to flee were punished by having their nose and ears cut off, or worse. Early Moorish texts provided insights into the extent to which the Arabs identified Europeans with slavery, classified so-called white slaves as animals, and even produced learned racist disquisitions on the supposed merits of emasculated East European slaves. In this 9th century treatise on beasts, the Book of Animals, the Moorish scholar Yahis writes, another change which overcomes the eunuch of two slaves of Slavic race who are twins, one castrated, the other not. The eunuch becomes more disposed towards service, wiser, more able, and apt for various problems of manual labor. All of these quali- qualifications you will find only in the castrated one. On the other hand, his brother continues to have the same native torpor, the same lack of natural talent, the same imbecility common to slaves, and incapacity for learning foreign, a foreign language. Hope you did. Yes, we did that. We did that to them people. That's why I am talking to you about this this other part of history, of slave history. Because a lot of people haven't got the full story. See, uh, Asiatic slaves are only part of the slave history. Only part of it. But there's another side to it. This is why today Moors cannot get reparations for slavery. Because if we do, then we have to give reparations to them for enslaving them, them and and committing crimes against their people as well. But now the debt has been paid. They enslaved us in return. So now the debt has been paid. So therefore we have to build, concentrate on building our nation back up and move on and stop playing this victim role, playing the role of victims and come out of our feelings. Because if they pay us reparations, then we have to pay them reparations for what we've done to them. First, and we have to realize the evil and the wickedness that we had done to other people first. This is why Tariq Bay's lectures, he gave that the Europeans, when they took everything from us, our sciences and everything from us, they also took on our evil. This is what he meant by that. the evil of the slave institution. Those of you that need to read a book called White Slavery in the Barbary States. When you're talking about Barbary States, you're talking about Moors. Again, the the the, the, the Tripoli pirates, those are not a pirate, they were Moors. 
when you hear about the old Marine Corps song hymn, when it says, From the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, that was their defeat of the Moors. Because they were rescuing a lot of, lot of their so-called white brethren from the Moors left as captives. That's what they mean by that, by that song. But in the history or history or movies, they have you like some Europeans, pirates on the high seas, criminals or mafia type, like people. They were paying ransom to them. No, they were paying ransom to the Moors. The European was paying them ransom to bring their goods across from the Atlantic to the Americas, to the American colonies. And even in any way, sometimes when the Europeans would pay ransom, a lot of a lot of our more you know our more predecessors, the predecessors of our ancient ancestors, were taking captured their ships anyway, take them anyway, put them on our own plantations, or what we call body bills. That's what part of what that civil war was about. The Union States of America wanted to rescue their so-called white brethren. Ninety percent of the Europeans, Southern Europeans, could, couldn't even afford a pair of shoes, let alone own a slave, because a lot they were slaves themselves. And that one day, at that time of the Civil War, it wasn't that many slave owners, maybe five or seven at the most. There wasn't that many slave owners at, during the period of the Civil War, believe it or not. A lot of the slave owners were Moors that owned Moors, but also Europeans on a massive scale. That's a lot. That's why you find a lot of Europeans named Moor, capital M O O R E S or R E. M-O-O-R-E, or Morse, M-O-R-S-E, Morton, M-O-R-T-O-N, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Moran, M-O-R-A-N, and so on and so on and so on. Those are Moorish terms. Those are Moorish names. If you ever watch uh, um, certain commercials on TV today, you will see... A lot of people talk about finding their identity, their history background, or their historical background. And you see a lot of Europeans talking about, oh, I thought I was German. And I found out I wasn't German at all. All these years I've been been doing a lot of German rituals and culturistic, uh, uh, you know, holidays and stuff like that. And found out when I did my research and DNA found out I wasn't German at all. My family come from Scotland. But why was that? Why was that? Because they lost a lot of their names, their original names, like a lot of us lost our original names. They were branded also. 
by Moors and Europeans as well, because Europeans enslaved them as well. A lot of them were enslaved by their own European brethren. And they lost their name, their surnames. That's what there's a lot of confusion among them. A lot of them think they're Irish and they're not Irish. I don't think they are Irish descent. They're not of Irish descent. They're not of English descent. They find out they are Polish descent. So let me move along here. Okay. says here in the book, White Slavery in the Barbary States. Okay? It says here, But these governments were barbarous, faithless, and regardless of the duties of humanity and justice, treaties with them were invested. As, the, as in the days of Charles II, they seemed made merely to be broken. They were observed only as, as so long as money was derived under their stipulations. Our growing commerce was soon again fatally vexed by the Barbary Corsairs. The Barbary Corsairs are Moors. Okay? Who now compel even the ships of our Navy to su submit to particular indignities. In 1801, which is the first Barbary and European War in America. In 1801, the Bay, B-E-Y, in 1801, the Bay, and it is spelled, B-E-Y, of Tripoli, formally declared war against the United States. Now, they're talking about here, the, Mor the Moroccan Empire here, not the Moroccan Kingdom in Northwest Africa. I want you to get a complete understanding of this. Okay, it says here, the Tripoli from uh, 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 the Bay, the Bay, the Bay of Tripoli, you're talking about a more, B-E-Y, the Bay of Tripoli formally declared war against the United States, and in token thereof, our flagship before the consulate was chopped down six feet from the ground and left reclining on the surface. Our citizens once more became the prize of man-stealers. Colonel Humphreys, now at home in retirement, was aroused and an address to the public. He, he, he called again for united action, saying, Americans of the United States, your fellow citizens are in fetters. You can declare. Now, this is when they first started stealing the birthright, calling themselves Americans. Where are the gallant remains of the race who fought for freedom? Where are the glorious heirs of their patriotism? Will there never be a truce between political parties? Or must it forever be the fate of free states that the soft voice of union should be drowned in their hoarse clamors of discord? says here, 
the government of the United States of America is is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. Read it again. The government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. So when the people start talking, talking that ignorant mess, talking about was founded on Christianity, tell them. Or tell them to search a book of white slavery in the Barbary states. And the author's name is Charles Sumner. Charles Sumner. Uh, Charles Sumner, his last name is spelled S-U-M-N-E-R. S-U-E-R, Charles Sumner, white slave in the Barbary States. You can understand this book, but you must know what you're reading. And then I'm talking about some, I'm talking about the Morocco in Northwest Africa. That's the Moroccan kingdom. I'm talking about uh, the Morocco here, the Moroccan Empire which was commonly known today as America. Okay. Move along here. Got about almost 12 minutes left. So I'm going to try to get a lot... Drop enough on you as much as I can. Okay. It says here in a section of uh, the book called They Were White and They Were Slaves by Michael A. Hoffman II. Michael A. Hoffman. Hoffman is spelled H-O-F-F-M-A-N. H-O-F-F-M-A-N. The second. Okay. Those of you that that interesting buying this book. It says the untold story, the story of enslavement of whites in early America. The untold history of the enslavement of whites in early America, by Michael A. Hoffman II. There's a section here called "When Hell Was in Session." Long hours of exposure, disease, and the elements were considered a part of the first year seasoning process. It was thought a good so-called white slave would require. A white slave would would work for from sunrise from sunrise to sunset in the fields, and they might be put to work in a shed grinding corn until midnight or 1 a.m. and expected to return to the fields the next day at dawn. In some southern colonies, with extreme heat, as many as 80 percent of the shipment of so-called white slaves died in their first year in the new so-called new world. Richard Ligon, a traveling writer and eyewitness, eyewitness to so-called white slavery, was written that he saw white slaves beaten with a cane, a cane about the head till the blood was followed for a fault. That is not worth speaking of, and yet he must be patient, or worse, will follow. How many so-called white tourists today, I'm talking about today, how many 
folk called white tourists, uh, white tourists today who who take winter vacations in such Caribbean islands as Jamaica and Barbados know that they were visiting the site of a gruesome holocaust against poor so-called white people who died by the tens of thousands who were slaves in those islands long before so-called blacks ever were. Dorian Richard Dunn has stated that the early sugar plantations of the British, British West Indies were noting more were nothing more than mass graves for so-called white workers, sugars and slaves, the rise of the planter class in the English West Indies. Fourth or fifth of the white slaves sent to the West Indies didn't survive the first year. In 1688, a member of the nobility wrote from a British colony in the Caribbean islands, islands to the British government, I beg care for the poor so-called white servants here who are used with more barbarous cruelty than in the Algiers. Their bodies and souls are used if hell commits here and only continue in the world to come. They were more, it says here, the more barbarous cruelty than if in Algiers. You're talking about the Barbary states, Moors. Twenty or more so-called white servants laboring under the supervision or an overseer led the most wearisome and miserable lives if a certain complaint or the overseer would beat him if he resisted. The master might double his time in, in bondage. The overseers act like those in charge of galley slaves. Some. I don't got much time here. I'm trying to get. Let me see here. Says here, in colonial America, so-called white people could be enslaved for such an offense as missing church service more than three times, or for prevention of an idle course of life. In 1640, a Virginia master needed to ensure further labor from from his so-called white servants in order to place his investments in land improvements on a more secure basis. He therefore falsely accused a number of his servants of a conspiracy to run out of the colony and enticing divers, others, others to be actors in the same conspiracy. As a result of his accusation, the alleged runaways were severely whipped and had their term of forced labor lengthened an additional seven years to be served in irons. Says here, white slaves treated worse than blacks. Okay? Or I'll put it this way, so-called white slaves treated worse than so-called blacks. Before 1650, however, the victims of man's inhumanity were the mass so-called white Christian servants who suffered at the hands of the callous so-called white Christian masters. For the time being, with all their troubles, the so-called blacks had it better. Hmm. So, to a master of Maryland near Philadelphia, David Evans, was put to work hoeing and uprooting trees, land clearing, the most artists of, artists of colonial labor, work that was separated 
so-called black slaves because they were too valuable. The so-called black slaves was too valuable. You hear this? So-called Negroes or, or Negroes are therefore almost in every instance under the more comfortable circumstances than the miserable European over whom the rigid planner exercised that flexible or rigidity they were strained to the utmost to perform their allotted labor. They frequently tried to escape, but very few are successful. I'm going to start right here. How many of you saw the movie uh, Hang 'em High? It's an old movie, old Clint Eastwood movie, cowboy movie. And if you notice, uh, in the movie, they, they had a lot of European slaves in bondage in this small mini prison in this town, this particular town. And all the guards were Moors. Every last one of the guards over the European slaves were Moors. If you if you can remember, watch the movie Hang 'em High with Clint Eastwood. And that movie it will tell you some of the things what I'm talking about tonight. This is not too <coughs> I'm not saying this to declare Europeans of any wrongdoing to our people. Not at all. On the contrary. But to get us to start playing that victim role. Come to the realization what our people and the evil and the fact that our ancestors have started the evil of the slavery institution. There's no slavery is slavery. People say, oh, but well, they started the Oh, they, they did us worse than what we, the way we did them. Slavery is slavery. I don't get into that. An evil is an evil. This is why <clears throat> a lot of us need to get busy getting our nationality and birthright intact. That's what the Prophet Noble Ali was here for. So we can move on and get on with the rebuilding of this nation. It says here. Get back to you see, uh, let's see here. I ain't got much time. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, I'm dealing with the amendments here. See, <clears throat> it says unity is national. The unity that is necessary for you to begin fixing this thing is called nationalization politically. We are not talking about your beliefs how you feel, your emotions, your feelings. Come out of your feelings. This is what I'm saying here. Boys, come out of your feelings. Okay? Where you where, where you where you are at, it isn't happening. Talking about actual, factual law, universal. 
You cannot become who your mothers and fathers were. You can only declare it. You can, cannot become more. You can't become more. You always were always and, and will be whether you claim it or whether you don't. You always will be, be a more. Whether you say that you're black, African-American, a person of color, whatever, you're still a more. Whether you're Hebrew, Israelite, whether you're a, a Christian, Catholic, a, a Buddhist, you are a more. So they're getting ready to cut me off more. I wanted to go more into this, dealing with the 14th and 15th Amendments, which was not necessary for the salvation of our people. But I will say to, to you, and I will say to you, Bawasama Dokunda, that means peace family. And don't forget, the First World Order book is on, on sale for $65. Okay? Com dot 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 com on the website. All right, brothers. Peace family. We out. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.